Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Thank you for tuning in this week. Got lots of good things to talk about. In fact, as I was going through my notes here, I realized I probably got 19,000 more things than I'm ever going to get around to talking about today. Same thing happened last week. Had a bunch of stuff uh, on my mind. Only got like a fraction of the way into it. And so I've carried a lot of that stuff over into today's show. So I hope you're going to like it. Thomas Edison, before we talk about what he did, maybe we should talk about who he is. Thomas Edison was an inventor, an American inventor, and really famous guy, uh, responsible for lots of of the advancements that were to come and that we enjoy today. And uh, I was reading this article the other day that I thought you might find interesting. Did you know that Thomas Edison required job applicants to eat a bowl of soup in front of them? So you go and you apply for a job with Thomas Edison, and Thomas Edison says, well, let's go out, have a meal together, and talk about it a little bit. And while you're there, he orders you a bowl of soup. Why you reckon he did that? This article written by Andrew Martin from December 29th, 2021, says this, that uh, Thomas Edison had a unique requirement he had for prospective new employees that they eat a bowl of soup in front of him before they'd be considered for a job. During his lifetime, 1847 to 1931, Edison obtained a jaw-dropping 1,093 patents. That's got to be some kind of record. Among his innovations were early versions of light bulbs, although he did not invent the light bulb, the phonograph, movie cameras, and alkaline storage batteries. However, he couldn't do it all by himself. He had to have a large and talented staff through the years in his research labs. And he had to make sure he was getting the right people. So Edison liked to be personally involved in choosing his staff. Does that surprise you? Seems to me like most people who are successful are very hands-on. So when new positions opened up for research jobs at his labs, he was there to give the candidates a thorough vetting. And he came to find a favorite method for finding the right people by offering them a bowl of soup and then watching them eat it. You curious about where this is going? What was the reason for the soup test? Can you imagine? It was this. He wanted to see if the applicants added salt and pepper before tasting what was in their bowl, or if they waited until they tasted it before adding salt or pepper. And uh, if somebody were to sit down and to season their soup before they had tasted it, he would reject them as potential employees and the reason for this is that he didn't want employees who relied on assumptions isn't that kind of brilliant in his opinion those who were content to abide by preconceived notions had no place in his business because the absence of curiosity and willingness 
to ask questions were necessary to innovation. This article goes on to say that uh, for Edison, the best employees were those whose second nature it was to be consistent with how they approached life. If they showed impatience or rushed to judgment in eating, imagine the damage they could potentially cause with the many projects they would be entrusted to develop and bring to fruition. Reminds me of a Brazilian girlfriend I had. Um, we were out to supper one time, and I had ordered a drink that I had never had before. And it came, and it was just it's like nothing I'd ever had before. It was really interesting. And, and I thought that, wow, she, she, she would really like this. So I said, uh, here, taste this. This is really good. She says, nah, I don't want to. I don't like those types of drinks and I said well have you ever had this drink no I never had that drink well, well so go ahead and give it a try taste it it's it's really good nope won't do it and we actually got into an argument about that about her unwillingness stubbornness even to even try something like her mind was already made up she thought she knew exactly what that experience was going to be and she had never had that experience and she was just dead set on that uh, certainty so needless to say it didn't work out with us but she was a hottie I'll tell you that okay let's uh, do the announcements now we don't then we won't have to do them later the last symptom.com that's my website full of free resources and I hope you're taking advantage of those free resources as I uh, often say my work involves a lot more free stuff than it does any paid stuff so you should be taking advantage of those free resources if you are interested in emotional health uh, authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders borderline personality disorder or the, the brainiacs out there in the psychological community are calling it uh, uh emotional emotionally unstable personality disorder nowadays so I've got to start including that so people who have been diagnosed with that title can f potentially find me but if you're interested in authentic recovery from that this is the place to be because I did it I had a borderline personality disorder or emotionally unstable personality disorder for the first 35 years of my life completely unaware that I had it and now I really don't have it how did I get from there to here you gotta you gotta be here with us you gotta be listening I've been talking about it for four years now so if you're just now joining us there's lots of stuff out there for you to dive into and uh, learn about I know that what if you know you're just discovering me for the first time the very first thing you're thinking when I tell you that I authentic, authentically rid myself of the disorder permanently and authentically the first thing that comes to your mind is bull bull that's not possible because it's genetic because of this because of that because it's all these things all those things are lies I'm telling you I had it I really had it for real now I really don't have it for real and uh, it would behoove you to uh, learn about how I did that and uh, you know I've held nothing back these last four years as I've talked about that but we talk about a lot of things related to uh, emotional health and emotional disorders in general not just borderline personality disorder so thelastsymptom.com that's where you want to get started got articles got this podcast got all sorts of things there and uh, there are a few modest paid resources those are the things that have allowed me along with voluntary donations to continue this work for four years and I hope it'll be five I hope it'll be six uh, so if you're interested in some of those paid resources they're one-on-one -on -one phone conversations with me one-on-one -on -one zoom video conferences with me and then there is the two-week intensive pre-recorded the last symptom fundamentals course it covers everything every fundamental thing you need to know it tries to provide you with every insight you need to have in order to authentically escape emotional disorder in a real and permanent way yourself so give that a look over that's available over at thelastsymptom.com 
I have a an online community for the last symptom on the locals platform that's l-o-c-a-l-s and we'd love to have you there with us i'm there all the time interacting with the community and uh, trying to keep you know my thumb on the pulse of what's going on in people's lives and everything and trying to uh, help them the best i can so the way you join there join our community there if you're interested in that is you go to uh the last symptom dot locals dot com another way to do it is to download the locals dot com app from the app store and join us that way all right Have, did you hear in the news this week i think it was this week i think it was this week when i saw it that former miss usa so a beauty pageant winner of Miss USA tragically killed herself and in this article I'm going to share with you by Yaron Steinbutch Yaron Steinbuck you have to figure that out Um, in this article Yaron I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name again his or her um, shares an essay that this beauty queen penned and um, I wanted to go through it with you because first of all many people have expressed feeling the type of emptiness that she describes and we want to I want to go through the article with you that she has written these things that this person who seemed to have it all wrote that provides some insight into her attitudes and perspectives that we can learn from that we can do a self-analysis with and see if we're not making the same mistakes uh, that this poor woman uh, seems to have made and uh, you know this is not uh, this is not a judgmental analysis I'm not being judgmental of her or critical of her I'm being real about it you know when she's totally off base I'm going to say she's totally off base and I'm not going to pull punches there but I don't want anybody to think that I'm I'm analyzing her and thinking she's stupid or thinking she's incapable or thinking that Uh, or or attributing these things to any other sort of character flaw that's not what this is about and that's not what I'm thinking it's not what I'm feeling this analysis is because everybody who has or is dealing with an emotional disorder such as borderline personality disorder lives with these same perspectives and attitudes and the the natural effects of living with these same perspectives and attitudes just are what they are there is no other possibility so if you are experiencing in your life deep persistent feelings of emptiness you will find out today why that is i'll tell you the the fundamental cause of of a person living with a persistent and ongoing feeling of emptiness there's only one reason why a person walks around feeling empty and we're going to talk about that today using her tragedy here as a as a way to illustrate it so former miss usa she was so accomplished as you'll see a very beautiful woman i don't want to give her name because I do not want to aid in anybody's sort of unhealthy exploration anybody's unhealthy exploration if they're also feeling these same things but you know even though I'm not sharing her name anybody could find the information that they wanted to the ex-miss North Carolina left behind a note saying she wanted to leave everything to her mother get this her mother is a former pageant competitor herself 
her mother was crowned Miss North Carolina in 2002. So that is relevant. You might read that article yourself and, and not notice any relevance. But for me, for somebody who's been doing this sort of work for a long time now, uh, immediately I saw the relevance in it. Let's read that again. This woman who c- committed suicide, who was Miss North Carolina, and went on to become Miss USA, her mother is a former pageant competitor herself who was crowned Miss North Carolina in 2002. Now, what can we draw from this? If, if you're Sherlock Holmes and you're just drawing obvious conclusions, it's just so obvious, conclusions from what we know happened to the details here, what, conclu- what, what obvious conclusions can you draw? Let me help you out. Think about the sort of focus on looks, on one's physical looks. Think about the the intense focus and importance one must put there in order to compete at such a level, as a uh, such as a state level and at a national level. Now think about how this is not just the daughter; it runs in the family. So the daughter has this intense focus and places intense importance on looks in order she has to in order to compete at such a high level uh, in in beauty beauty pageantry, right? Where'd she get it from? She got it from her mother, who also places intense importance and focus on physical looks that just has to in order to compete at such a level I mean think about all the dedication and time and and focus and attention it takes to looking as absolutely beautiful as you can now you can say that well it's all natural yeah but there's a lot of naturally beautiful people out there they're not winning beauty pageants winning a beauty pageant requires more than just your natural beauty. It also requires grace and other attentions to detail. So, now I'd like you to ask yourself, now we know that the the type of focus and attention that is required, and we can imagine the type of focus that was upon physical looks within her family, right? Can you imagine her as a little girl growing up with this uh, woman who was very accomplished in the beauty pageantry world and beauty contests, had won Miss North Carolina in 2002. Can you imagine that environment? The attitudes and the thinking that the little girl is observing in her mother. What's most important to her mother? As a child, as she's watching this, she's observing her mother her mother's uh, perspectives and attitudes. And what is she seeing is maybe an overridingly most important aspect of her mother's uh, focus and perspectives and attitudes. Physical beauty, perfection, right? So the daughter grows up and adopts these attitudes and perspectives as well. Now, let me ask you this. Is an attitude and our attitudes and perspectives that place such importance on physical beauty and physical detail, is that an attitude that is primarily focused on inner things or on external things? So let me ask the question again. In this scenario that we're imagining, this thought experiment, where we're just drawing obvious conclusions, right? Would you say it's more likely that her family's attitude of where importance, the most importance lies in life, 
was is that focus is that a focus on what is inner or on what is external well let's go on and read a little bit more about this woman in her own words because in March 2021 she provided some insight into her mindset in a lengthy essay in Allure that must be a magazine and we will come to conclusions we'll be able to see for an absolute fact where where her mind put uh, value and and how she perceived value and where it originates where it comes from how it exists and those sorts of things she says each time I say I'm turning 30 I cringe a little these are her own words so she wrote this essay and now this is her talking each time I say I'm turning 30 I cringe a little sometimes I can successfully mask this uncomfortable response with excitement other times my enthusiasm feels hollow like bad acting she wrote Anytime you have to mask an emotion with excitement, you're not really feeling excitement. Even if you're lying to yourself and saying that you're feeling excited, you're not, are you? Because for starters, and I'm thinking about you new folks here, you will, you know, you're missing out on some of the context of this conversation. But as human beings, we we don't get to choose what we feel or how we feel. Feeling is not something we do. It's it's an experience we experience. So, if I'm feeling sad, I can't just choose to feel happy. So she says, this uncomfortableness with turn with turning thirty or being thirty. She says some times she can successfully mask this uncomfortableness with excitement no she can't the best she can do is mask it with an outward display of pretend excitement right that's the best she can do she can't choose how she feels so what she's doing is she's faking an outward appearance of an emotion but she's not experiencing that emotion for real so she says other times no, not other times. All the time, she 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 she's not even um, honest with herself. Other times, my enthusiasm feels hollow, like bad acting. Not other times. All the time, all the time, that you're trying to mask what you really feel with the outward appearances of something you're not feeling. That's acting, and of course, that's going to feel hollow. She goes on to say, society has never been kind to those growing old, especially women. Um, Let me ask you this. And bear in mind that the entire conversation we're having right now is a comparison between inner things versus external things. Where is it coming from? Uh, Value, worth. So where is worth coming from? Is it coming from inside of you? Are you generating it yourself? And how do you do that? Or is it coming from external things? In other words, how pretty you look, your accomplishments, uh, how old you are, those sorts of things. That The whole conversation revolves around inner versus external. So she says society's never been kind to those growing old, especially women. Let me ask you, if your importance, if where you perceive uh, the importance of where value comes and how it exists, if your focus or your importance, you perceive it as being inner, as being an inner thing generated from inside of you, and if you view that worth as being inherent to you, to what you are, you know, you're a person, so you just do have value, does what society thinks about anything matter so let me ask that again and let me try to do it in a better way if the way you measure worth is inner in other words it comes from inside of you and therefore it's inherent to you does what society thinks matter 
Uh -uh. But she has a real concern here about what society thinks. Society has never been kind to those growing old, especially women. So I'm not very eloquent tonight, but what I'm trying to point out is that if you are okay with you growing old, if you're okay with it, and what matters is what you think about it and, and how you feel about it, then why would it matter what society thinks? But if you base your worth on external things, such as what other people think, you can see why what society thinks about you growing old would have a lot of power over you, right? It would have a tremendous effect on you. Because your whole life is spent living for other people. You're looking out at the world and trying to guess what they want, what they like. Because if they don't want you and they don't like you, then, see, you, you perceive yourself as not having worth. But let's compare that to a healthy person. The healthy person says, my worth is an inherent aspect of being me. Because it's inherent to what I am. I'm a person. Because it's inherent to what I am and who I am, it can't be granted to me. It can't be taken away from me. It, do, it cannot come from external things. It's not that it just doesn't come from external things. It can't. So my worth cannot be coming from what the world thinks of anything, let alone of what they think of me. It can't be based on how old I am. See, there's two things happening here. One is this concern about her age, like her value cuts off at a certain age. Why? Because her value is based on external things, what other people think. Once you get to a certain age and the world doesn't like you at that age, your value is less. You see that? Now, is that how worth really works? Not for people. But she doesn't know this. And it's tragic. She doesn't know this. In fact, throughout this uh, essay of hers, she has a, she seems to be overly concerned about age. because and, and, and it makes sense if you think about it because her whole sense of worth is wrapped up in it. Her whole sense of worth is wrapped up in the external, what other people think. Why do you have to be beautiful? Because if you're not, people don't like you as much. And then you aren't worth as much, right? As a person, you're not worth as much. If you don't have any accomplishments, people won't like you as much. What does that mean? It means you're worth less. Why? Because your worth depends on the external, on what you've accomplished and how many people admire you. She noted that when she was crowned Miss USA at age 28, she was the oldest woman in history to win the title. Why does it matter? Why does it matter how old you are? You won, didn't you? She, she goes on to write a grinning, crinkly-eyed glance at my achievements. What are achievements? Are achievements inner or are they external? They are external. So achievements, they fall into the same category as your looks. Um, and why do they matter? Why do achievements matter? Because it will earn me value because it will impress people. If people are impressed, I have more value. A grin and crinkly eye glance at my achievements, exter an external factor in her sense of worth, thus far makes me giddy about laying the groundwork for more. But turning 30 feels like a cold reminder that I'm running out of time to matter in society's eyes. Why does it matter if she matters in society's eyes? Whether or not you uh, matter to society, is that an inner thing or is that an external thing? Now remember what I said we're talking about here. We're talking about worth, where it originates, 
the, nat- the, the very nature of it, where it originates, how it works. Is it inherent to you for what you are, who you are, uh, a human being? Or is it dependent on external factors, such as whether you matter to society or other people, or your achievements, as she goes out of her way to point out. The beauty queen went on to describe that after a year like 2020, now this this is interesting, notice this. These are her words. She says, after a year like 2020, you would think that we would learn that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift not everyone gets to enjoy. Why did she say we? We. Why did she say you'd think that we would have learned? You see, if this is something she already believes herself, why would she say we and include herself and all the people in her mind who have not come to the conclusion that maturity is a gift. Do you see what I'm getting at? Let me read that again, see if you catch it. After a year like 2020, you would think that we'd have learned that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift. Let's slow down again and analyze this. Why did she say we? Why is she including herself in the world of people who have not grown to appreciate that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift because of this? She included herself in there completely oblivious that she did it, that she included herself. You see, if she did not believe that herself, the way she would have worded that is... You would think that most people would have learned, or she would have said, you'd think that all those people out there in Hollywood or in the beauty pageant worlds would have learned. She wouldn't have included herself. But because she's speaking naturally and honestly true, truly here, and uh, casually, she, she puts herself in there too because... She doesn't, she hasn't come to believe it either, and why not? Why does she herself include herself in among all the people that don't believe growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift? I'll tell you why. It's because, and again, it goes back to where her importance lies, where her sense of importance comes, is focused upon and originates from right is a thing important on its own or does it have to be granted you see she isn't allowed to believe a thing value a thing be secure in her own conclusions if we that is the world people around her don't validate it you catch that? If she feels like a thing should be a certain way, but she looks out at the attitudes in the world or the her colleagues or the people around her, and she doesn't see that attitude reflected in their attitudes. In other words, she doesn't see those values reflected in their attitudes. Then it's not real. She can't believe in the thing. Why not? Because everything that has importance has to come from everybody else. What other people think, their attitudes and perspectives, the external, right? It's all based on the external. So if the world doesn't validate a thing, then it can't be real to her. Because her sense of importance comes from what other people think. It it can't come from inner qualities. You know, a while back I asked you, can a banana have value just because it's a banana? And my answer was, yeah. It doesn't matter if nobody on earth likes bananas or eats bananas. 
the banana can still have value just because it's a banana because of the potential nutritional value that it offers the sustenance that it offers whether people make use of it or not is irrelevant to whether it, it contains these qualities and it is what it is but she doesn't view the world that way this poor woman was not raised to view the world this way and it's a tragedy because in her uh, perspective of life she's including herself in that same category as a person she can't just have value because of being a, a person she can't just have value because she's a human being and she's is who she is it has to come from external things it doesn't just exist internally it has to come from external things that's the tragedy so that really was remarkable that just that that sentence right there that she wrote after a year like 2020 you'd think that we would have learned that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift she's writing something that she wants to believe but doesn't because she looks out at her colleagues and other people in the world she looks out in the media she watches movies she watches the news and she doesn't see that attitude reflected in people's in other people's attitudes she doesn't see the attitude reflected that growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift therefore she can't believe that herself isn't that remarkable why doesn't she just say to herself growing old is a treasure maturity is a gift it doesn't matter whether anybody recognizes that or not growing old is a treasure because she can't she can't she isn't allowed to believe a thing this is a restrict what I'm saying is that this is a a wall that she has put there herself and she, in, within herself and she can't cross it she isn't allowed to believe a thing value a thing be secure in her own conclusions if we that is the world doesn't believe it or their attitudes don't reflect it all external nothing from this woman is being generated from inside of her so she doesn't believe it herself she's she's waiting for the world to say hey you know she's waiting to see it in their attitudes it doesn't matter what the world says it no matter what you think we as people it doesn't matter what other people say what matters is what their their attitudes genuinely reflect that's what people pay attention to maybe you don't you never realized that before but it's true it's true when you're a child it's true when you're an adult uh, when you're talking to somebody and you perceive that their true attitude the true attitudes that they live with are contradictory to the things they profess to believe or think you instinctually know that their attitude isn't lying and you believe the attitude so in order for her to uh, believe a thing she has to look out at the world first and see that the world's attitudes reflect that uh, belief that validates her then to believe it herself you see that but if she says you know it seems to me like growing old is a treasure and maturity is a gift let's see let's see what the world says and she just observes around her the attitudes around her and she doesn't see that reflected she says well then it's it's not growing old is not a treasure maturity is not a gift I can't believe it because the world hasn't said I can yet isn't that crazy she's waiting for the world to validate things before she can believe them herself even though it makes intellectual sense to her 
even though it makes intellectual sense to her, she is not basing her conclusions about life based on intellectual conclusions. She's basing her reality, the, the reality she, the way she looks out at the world and understands the very nature of reality. She's basing that understanding on feelings. So would it surprise you to know that she goes on to cite her impressive academic achievements? Why should it not surprise you? Because what is an academic achievement? Does an academic achievement have any bearing whatsoever on your worth as a human being? None whatsoever. It's an external element. Your worth as a human being is based on the fact that you're a human being which means it's inherent to being a human being. But if you live with the attitude and the perspective that worth cannot be inherent, it has to come from external sources, what do you do? You take solace in academic achievements. Now, I'm not saying academic achievements are wrong or anything like that, or that, it, or that in themselves they're unhealthy. What I'm saying is that a person who believes that their worth as a person is dependent on external things relies on an academic achievement in order to even experience a smidgen sense of worth. A healthy person gets an academic achievement not because they feel their worth is dependent on it. They are secure all the time in their worth. Why? Because they know that for a certainty that it is inherent to being a person. So, it, 10 academic achievements, you know, enormously celebrated academic achievements, are not going to add to what is an inherent thing. Nor is the lack of academic achievements going to take away what is an inherent thing. But if you don't believe in inherent worth, if you're raised surrounded by attitudes that you're observing and learning from and adopting yourself that if you are to have value that it must come from an external source think about it you will do things you will go to great lengths to accomplish things to look a certain way to drive a certain car to have a certain resume because your sense your fleeting and superficial sense of worth depends on it but that's the best you got as long as you live with those underlying perspectives and attitudes so she cited her impressive academic achievements notably earning a law degree and an MBA at the same time why do you think she did that just because she was so fascinated with what she was studying I doubt it I, I would say that it was uh, clearly Clearly, it, inarguably, it was motivated by a desperation to, for a sense of worth. So she did. She earned a law degree and an MBA at the same time at the University of South Carolina, where she was also a track athlete. Why you think she was a track athlete, earning a law degree and an MBA at the same time? Just because she enjoyed it so much? No. Because she does. She's not. She doesn't have any worth without these things. They're all external, and she can't experience a sense of worth without them. But any worth that she does get to enjoy, is it lasting? Is it real? No. It's extremely fleeting and temporary. So you can see this is not a woman who believed that she possessed inherent worth as a person. No way. No way. We would not be seeing all this if that were the case. If she believed that she possessed inherent worth as a person, she would not be. Uh, you, we would not be seeing all this, and we would not be hear her talking in these ways that reveal profoundly unhealthy perspectives and attitudes. She was a person. In everything you see here. Uh, you know, figuratively, as I as I'm reading, you know, her thoughts, 
the things that she strove for in life and her motivations for it, what you see is a person who is working very hard to earn her value, earn value as a person. So, again, <clears throat> she believes worth is not inherent, has to come from external sources. So what does this mean for her? Think about this. If just on your own, you have no worth because uh, your perspectives and attitudes are that worth has to be granted. It has to come from external things. If you think about it, if you strip away all the external things and you're just left with the, the individual, what are they on their own? Nothing. They're worth less. Devoid of worth. That's what happens when a person lives with the, the ter terribly destructive and inaccurate and unhealthy attitude that human worth must come from external things. You strip away all the external things and you've just got the person. Do they have worth? None. None. The two things can't coexist. You can't, you can't live with the attitude that value by its nature must come from external things and at the same time believe that without all those external things you have worth. That you have value. You see what I'm saying? You can't live with the attitude that value, the nature of it, depends on external things and at the same time believe that if you strip all those things away, that without all those things, you have value. That's a total contradiction. What happens instead is if you take away all those external things and then you're just left with the individual, what you've got is just worthless. There's, there, there is no worth there. It, the person is devoid of worth. Their worth must come from external things. So in order to have any worth, you got to bring those things back. Quick, quick, bring them back. So, is it surprising to you that this woman felt hollow and empty despite all of her accomplishments? No, because we'll talk about this in a second. We'll, we'll, we'll connect the pieces here in a second. She goes on to say uh, that she joined trial team at school and won a national championship. This is her talking again. So she's writing this essay, and she is just laying out all of the things that she has accomplished. All of her achievements, which, remember, are they inner things? No, they're, these are all external things. They have nothing to do with her as a person or her value. But her sense of value is entirely wrapped up in what has she done? What has she accomplished? How beautiful does she look? And where did she get these attitudes? She got them from her parents. She got them from the environment she grew up in by observing her mother and her father's attitudes. Her mother and her father absolutely live with these same erroneous underlying unhealthy attitudes whether they know it or not she says I joined a trial team at school and won a national championship I competed in moot court don't know what that is won essay competitions and earned local regional and national executive board positions she wrote I nearly worked myself to death literally until an eight day stint in a local hospital sparked the development of a new perspective she wrote do you believe that do you believe she got to the underlying issue recognized it acknowledged it addressed it well she's dead she committed suicide so clearly she never did so she's lying to herself here and many people I talk to lie to themselves like that oh I'm making a real change now change I've entirely changed my perspectives on things. No, you haven't. You have changed some of your superficial perspectives on things like, I don't know, 
whether to vote Democrat or Republican. That is a very superficial thing. That has nothing to do with your fundamental perceptions from which everything else springs. And what are fundamental perceptions? It's the perspectives and attitudes you have about the nature of feelings and the nature of self. And most importantly, value. How does value work? Is it inherent or is it not inherent? Those are the fundamental perspectives that matter most because they inform everything else. So she's lying to herself when she, you know, she's trying to to talk herself into believing something positive here. She says, I discovered that the world's most important question, especially when asked repeatedly and answered frankly, is why. Why earn more achievements just to collect another win? Why pursue another plaque or medal? or line item on my resume if it's for vanity's sake rather than out of passion? Why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society to want when I continue to only find emptiness? Why, this is me talking now, why could she only experience emptiness? Have you figured it out? It all comes down to this, uh, you know, I haven't asked you to take notes here for a while, but now's a good time to get out a pen or get your phone out and, and jot this down. So much can be uh, drawn from what I'm about to tell you. Ready? If you live with the attitude that worth cannot be inherent, that it has to be earned, you're caught in a tough spot because if it has to be earned that innately means that you yourself are worthless let me say let me try to say that in a better way why could she only experience emptiness because she lived with the attitude that worth can't be inherent it has to be earned but if it has to be earned that innately means that she herself is worthless do you see the problem with that the, the catch 22 there I'm going to say it one more time I really would like this to sink in for most of you if I'm experiencing emptiness if I'm walking around feeling empty the reason for that the only reason for that can be that I don't believe worth can be inherent. It has to be earned. It has to come from external sources. But if my worth has to come from external sources, then necessarily what that means, and there's no other possibility, if my worth has to come from external sources, that innately means that I myself am worthless. Isn't that profound? The only way a person doesn't feel empty is when they know that their worth is inherent to them. Then you don't feel empty. Then when you make accomplishments and you know you have these uh, great accolades and those, those sorts of things uh, you're, you're enjoying the sense of accomplishment but you're not filling yourself up it, it's not a way to fill an empty void because you're already full you understand that healthy people who know that their worth is inherent are walking around full all the time because they understand that if if they themselves just them as people have worth then human worth can't come from external things so I'm trying to word that in the exact opposite way that we just worded it a minute or, uh, or so ago let's try it so first we said 
she feels empty because she believes worth can't be inherent it has to be earned but if it has to be earned then naturally that means that she herself is worthless now let's try to say it another way people are full they don't experience emptiness when they believe that their worth is inherent to them so it can't be earned and it can't be taken away because it can't be earned and because it can't be taken away even if you take away all of the person's accomplishments all their money all their looks all the everything and you just you're just left with them what do you have you have worth that's the only way it works that's the only way it works human value is an inherent quality to being a human it's like that banana you know the banana has value because of what it is not because of what it's accomplished or how many people like it or not it has value based on what it is not on what it's done or or on anything external such as people liking it so what a tragic story I, yeah I read this my heart just broke for this girl and I wished that I my message about this would get out to more people you can help me with that if, you, if you're interested in helping me with that um, by subscribing to my YouTube and Rumble channels watching this video or listening to this podcast and sharing it with people if you're on YouTube or Rumble watching the video version of this show subscribe and like every episode um, when you do that when when many people do that then the algorithms recommend those things to more people and then more people see them more people hear these this message of mine when you share and like and subscribe to the uh, the audio version of this show you know just the the audio version that you on Spotify or uh, iTunes or wherever <clears throat> then other people who come along searching for information about emotional disorders or borderline personality disorder they see the high numbers of people listening to that show and they go well then that must be good and they and they listen too um, so just uh, you know I'm one voice and uh, with a, a reasonably large audience if everybody in my audience were to like write a review subscribe uh, you know subscribe to the video channels on youtube and rumble uh, forward things to people that they know share on social media um you know my my audience could be 10 times what it is and then this message would get out even in greater numbers so i appeal to you you know to uh, to help me out in that way if if you're so inclined well folks i was going to tell you a story this week a campfire story but it's going to have to wait for next week because we are over time but i did want to share a quote with you to end today's show it's by e abby it goes like this may your trails be crooked winding lonesome dangerous leading to the most amazing view now as a wilderness backpacker I apply that of course to uh, my love of being in the woods and traveling through the woods for many many miles and out in the wilderness but you can apply it to authentic recovery as well crooked winding lonesome dangerous any of you identify with that life can be like that can it but what happens when it leads to the most amazing view well that's what you've got to look forward to with authentic recovery so use that to animate that yourself to encourage your, encourage yourself and to uh, foster aguante you know what aguante is endurance ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining me this week i hope you have a wonderful uh, 
week and a wonderful weekend. It's been a while since I reminded you to do it, so I'll remind you this time. Right now, if you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, is the time to begin planning something nice that you're going to do for yourself this weekend. And why is that? Why would you do something nice for yourself this weekend? Is that indulgent? Well, it might be. But we do nice things for people that we genuinely care about. And so it is appropriate to pick out something nice to do for yourself this weekend. And that's all I've got. Thank you for joining me this week. (music) 